Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. So for the final weekend bonus episode of 2019, I wanted to check in with crypto. What a year for the crypto space. Seemingly dead at the beginning of the year, but then the crypto spring happened, and then Libra happened, and so where are we now? No one better than Coindesk's Brady Dale to catch us up. I know this is the most annoying question to get asked as a reporter on your beat, but let's start off with Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin. And because I, I think the last time I spoke to you was right when the so-called crypto spring was happening and Bitcoin was back above 10,000. So in the intervening months, what has happened? I see we're back under 10,000 and have been for a while. Yeah, I'm kind of falling right around 7,000. You know, I mean, no one ever really knows, like, why the price is what the price is. But, like, um, I can tell you that, like, as spring was coming, you know, I had people telling me to, who argued that, like, every time Bitcoin starts to, like, really do a rally, it, like, does an enormous rally and look for a giant number by the end of the year. And that really doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, I think... You know, this is just my explanation, just based on some stuff people have said to me around the space. But I think folks continue to be disappointed by the fact that big players still aren't moving into the space. And so, um, you know, that's what I'm going to go to for my explanation. But, uh, you know, a million things are happening. Another, you know, another important, another useful thing, though, um, and I, we don't really know why exactly, but one of our reporters did a story recently um, that was about how the um, the the correlation between the stock market and Bitcoin is really starting to break down. So it used to be that as stocks would fall, um, people would retreat to Bitcoin in a, in a much more decisive way. And that's just, that's happening so much less now that it's, it's, it's almost like the correlation isn't even really there anymore. Uh, and there's people who've always questioned that correlation, but that's another part of the story uh, that some folks are seeing. It's, it's not a, it's not a place to retreat to as much as it once was. Let me let me come back to what you said about, you know, the big institutional players or the big money not really showing up, because I feel like that that's a lot of what I was when I did report on this stuff um, was talking about earlier in the year that it was, you know, uh, Goldman or whoever was opening a, a, a crypto desk and there was going to there were futures th- contracts being traded and things like that. So I felt like the first half of the year, it was all about getting that institutional infrastructure in place did it not follow through did it not actually happen i think i think the big scale stuff hasn't happened you know i mean there are futures contracts out there that you can that you can get and you know i think some of the i think some of the um bigger players are messing around with this stuff a little but um and i and i think one thing that we we don't know the extent of that's happening because because these entities are tend to be so private about it is I, I bet there are, in fact, more like um, 
I had a story about a year and a half ago, I had a couple of retirement funds taking a very small position um, in a few cryptocurrencies um, through, through another fund. Um, and I bet there's more of that than we actually know about, but there just hasn't been like, there hasn't been like much marquee moves, you know, with like of giant banks um, themselves taking positions in, in Bitcoin uh, that I think, that I think people were hoping for. You know, I'm sure that smarter people than me have thought this, but I was thinking the other day, like, you know, maybe that original first rally was just, you're talking about like big money, like hedging and like uh, nibbling around the edges. Like, what if that big rally was just everyone that had a lot of money just, you know, if I was a billionaire, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll throw a million dollars into Bitcoin just to be as a hedge. You know, <laughs> you never know. Um, I, I, I maybe like all that money that's already happened and no one's ever had the conviction to follow through and, and jump in with both feet or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, there's a, um, there's a guy, uh, Travis Kling, it, um, uh, I'm going to say the name of his company wrong. It's like it's Haggai Asset Management. You know, he made a pretty strong uh, argument recently that the crypto spring Bitcoin rally uh, was all just a, a hustle of a few whales in Bitcoin that they did for reasons of their own, like they wanted it for a minute. And so they just they did it. So it's just it's always hard to know. I think, you know, one of the if uh, the, the thing that crypto keeps wanting to see and that the SEC keeps refusing to give them is a Bitcoin ETF. And a part of the reason why the SEC refuses to do a Bitcoin ETF, they keep saying, is because they still feel like the market is manipulatable. manipulatable. Um, and so, uh, and, and if and if Kling's analysis is right, you know, it's it still is. And so, um, you know, and so that's a part of it. And then, which would also explain why bigger institutions are still somewhat nervous about it. What What about all the other coins, um, which I have not been following up on at all? You know, everybody from Ethereum to to you know, you name it. Um, has Has it been? Uh, was there sort of a similar spring for them that's sort of ebbed away as well? Yeah, I mean, it all it all tends to go pretty together. You know, if you just if you just scan over the charts, um, you know, they all they all tell a pretty similar story that the, the world has not uh, the, the broader coalition uh, correlation between these assets has not has not changed dramatically. So the other thing, the last time we talked, um, and it's almost we've gone through a whole cycle with this subsequently, but a lot of people were saying that it was because Facebook was getting into crypto. And so there was a rally because everyone thought that that was going to mainstream it. And, you know, we're going to get into this in a second. But is the fact that seemingly um, maybe Libra is not going to be as big a thing as people thought um, sort of dampening people's excitement? Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, I think if there were folks who were pricing in Libra happening soon, they were crazy. Um, that was always going to take a while. Um, but, you know, I think maybe also there's a chance that um, I think maybe some people are getting afraid that uh, Libra is kind of educating legislators on cryptocurrency and they might take a broader look to maybe that maybe that is making folks nervous. I don't know. Um, but it's certainly yeah, the Libra story certainly hasn't helped. It's been a lot of uh, it's been a lot of negative attention to crypto. Well, so what's your take on, you know, Libra's health at the moment, seeing as how it's not actually alive yet? But I mean, you know, are, are, are all of the payment companies basically uh, out of the association at this point? Um, I believe PayU is still in, right? Um, they're a pretty small one out of uh, Latin America. 
So I'm pretty sure they still are in. Uh, but yeah, like all the other ones that everyone has heard of uh, left. And uh, yeah, PayU is still in. Uh, and they left. Like, like that was a wild day. They like they left like all in the same day. Um, so it was uh, it was it was really wild when it happened. Um, but yeah, you know, Visa, Mastercard, Stripe, um, Mercado, Pago. Uh, they all backed out kind of at roughly the same time. And uh, it looked, you know, it looked like a really bad moment for Facebook and people were like, Libra is dead. I definitely don't think that's true. I think, I think this is, I mean, this is way more than a side project for Facebook. I think they're going to, they're going to see it through and make it happen. But, uh, but the, the companies that stood to gain the least, you know, got cold feet first. Well, right. I mean, on the one hand, it, it would seem like if if Libra were successful, it would sort of cut into the, the businesses of if you're a, a payments company. Um, but then was it also right. just a, as simple as, you know, why, if you're Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, why do you want any sort of regulatory scrutiny? You're, you're doing fine as it is. Like, is, is basically that's the bottom right. line. They're just like, why do we need this this hassle? I think so. Yeah, I think they viewed it at first as a hedge. Uh, you know, they're like, well, if this is really going to, you know, eat our lunch eventually, let's like kind of be a part of it. But then they were, and then I think they thought it was just completely not worth it. Um, you know, like you said, it's just it's too much regulatory scrutiny. Uh, they don't want anyone to have any sign of them doing anything wrong uh, or enabling doing anything wrong. So uh, yeah, I think, I think they disappeared. You know, the thing, the thing that I think is uh, not that I'm like, I want to like carry uh, Zuck's water here or anything, but uh, you know, a, a, a part of the story, which I feel like has been missed about Libra is if we take, if we take Facebook at its word, and I think this is at least somewhat true uh, that the point of Libra is to bring functional financial systems to parts of the world that don't really have it uh, at a price that they can afford, you know, quickly and easily allow them to kind of like leapfrog in the same way a lot of the developing worlds leapfrog to cellular um, before ever building landline systems, um, if we if we take it them at face value, and I and I don't completely disbelieve that. I mean, I think they have some other reasons too, but I do think they want to do that. It is kind of crazy uh, that we're just completely stifling uh, this company's ability to reach the developing world for a million percent uh, first world concerns. You know, I mean, this is this is all Europe and America pushing back, uh, and and for reasons that are you know. <laughs> layers and layers and layers of the financial stack uh, from the population that this whole project was aimed at. But everything you guys, uh, the tea leaves that you guys are reading, Facebook is still going ahead with this, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Do you think we'll see, what are the, odds? I, I, what are the odds that we would actually see a, a product launch uh, in 2020? I'm going to put that at 15%. Hmm. Why? Because it's gonna yeah. it's gonna take them years and years to now that they're in the regulatory quagmire, it's gonna take a while to iron that all out. Yeah, and I think I think there is a chance that they will eventually move fast and break things. Like I think there's a chance that they'll eventually just do it somewhere and 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 deploy a million team of lawyers to, to say like, well, we're just doing it in Indonesia or whatever, so it's not relevant. Uh, you know. U.S. law. Uh, I think they'll. I think there's a chance that eventually they'll do some gigantic backflips back to do that. And I have. A, I, I would not be surprised if they, if they weren't preparing a plan to do 
do that now. But I, they're a giant company that's making lots of money. They have plenty of runway. They're not going to do it next week. They're going to, you know, they're going to wait a while if they say, and see if they can, you know, get some approval. Um, you know, one of the things I wonder about is if, if we do actually see the launch of any uh, sovereign cryptocurrency. So, for example, China has this one it's sort of talking about. I'm a little bit more interested in the one that Marshall Islands is talking about. But if there were, if there were a sovereign cryptocurrency that it were to appear, um, it, would, it would effectively do a lot of the things, if it's really a cryptocurrency, that regulators are so nervous about Libra being able to do. And so it feels like that's a world in which it would, it would become easier for Facebook to, to roll something out if, if there was some kind of sovereign coin out there that people took seriously. Um, so, uh, I think if something like that happened, it could, it could move things along. I think, and I think Facebook will make an argument for that. So I have a feeling they're watching for things like that too. But I just, I, I, I do sort of believe that Libra is existential to Facebook. And so I don't think that they're going to rush it, but I think they, but I also think they're not going to give up on it. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath. And on the app, it lets you know if you're burning fat or carbs and gives you tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workout, sleep, and even stress management. My wife and I have been doing this. All you have to do is breathe into your Lumen first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fats or carbs. Then, Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. Because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, better fitness results, better sleep, etc. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use RIDE to get $100 off your Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N dot M-E and use RIDE at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Miro is a visual collaboration platform that gives your team more clarity through comprehensive functionalities that work together with your existing tool sets to make any sprint ritual, whether it be a stand-up estimation, sprint planning, or retrospective, more efficient, clear, and ultimately more productive. When I did the AI resume project, I wanted it done fast and dirty. I used a remote team, and so I used Miro to keep everything on track. Miro helps ensure your team has the context they need before devoting time and resources to get the work done. With Miro, planning team tasks is smoother and gives everyone a clear sense of mission for every sprint. Plan sprints with ease using Miro's planner widget. Connect your team's Jira or Azure instance to your Miro board to visualize and filter tasks by sprint week, status, epic, and team. Normally, mapping dependencies just links one ticket to another, but Miro has visual representations on which tasks are dependent on others. Filter by a critical level, team, and more. Streamline your estimation ritual and quickly check if your team is over or under capacity to help them be more realistic and grounded on the team's capabilities, size, etc. Whether you work in product design, engineering, UX, agile, or marketing, bring your team together on Miro. Your first three Miro boards are free when you sign up today at Miro.com. That's three free boards at Miro.com. Um, I did not cover this story, so I'm going to have to lean on you a little bit to actually explain the story before we talk about it. But um, this, uh, this Ethereum guy that just got arrested, uh, uh, Virgil Griffith right. is his name. Um, 
Yeah. First of all, yeah. tell tell us what happened, and then it, I, was he a big deal in Ethereum? Yeah. So uh, Virgil, he wasn't like a famous guy, but um, but he yeah, people really like him in the Ethereum world, and he had. He had like hacker cred well before Ethereum too. Uh, so, you know, he was, he was well known in like, for example, the Tor community, like well ahead of ever being involved in Ethereum, but he was a good friend of Vitalik's. Um, he was, he did like special projects for the Ethereum foundation. So, which meant that like he was largely just going around the world trying to like find new ways to move Ethereum forward. So for example, we did a story not too long ago. Uh, about how he was trying to get uh, Ethereum approved as as compliant under Sharia law, a Sharia law, you know, the Muslim law. There's been some cryptocurrencies that have succeeded in doing that so far. Um, he was trying to get that for Ethereum, so he did things like that. Um, people liked him, you know. Uh, he was he was viewed as um, something as like a, as a mentor figure. Uh, but he also, you know, I, and I don't know Griffith. I know a lot of people who do know him, um, but I don't know him personally. But he. He is, uh, you know, he's he's kind of one of those dreamery, hackery types. He's, you know, sort of ideological. And so uh, the story of what happened is in uh, April this year, he took a trip to North Korea with a, a few other, you know, non-North Koreans, not, not a large number, we're told. Uh, and it was sort of one of their typical tourist trips that they do. You know, everyone's approved to go. It's all scheduled. You're constantly with a minder the whole time. Um, where you got to see some different parts of Korea, but it ended with this um, Pyongyang blockchain conference. And Virgil gave a presentation there, you know, allegedly on blockchain and peace. Um, and he, and then subsequent to that, he volunteered to do an interview with the FBI about it, uh, in which he, you know, he told the FBI what he did. He like let them look at his phone. Um, he showed him photo, showed them photos, and the FBI. Uh, arrested him on Thanksgiving Day for going to North Korea, uh, teaching them about blockchain technology and allegedly uh, discussing with people how blockchain technology could be used for evading sanctions. Um, but I will say one of the things in the complaint, right, is you, you sort of wonder how much of this stuff you have to understand. One of the things they sort of emphasize in the complaint is some discussion of, of uh, mining and which is like, you know, cryptocurrency mining. So for folks who are listening don't know, you know, people basically like deploy these computers in the network that crunch a bunch of numbers uh, that allow them to earn cryptocurrency. And so, you know, you could argue, I guess, a way that um, North Korea could, you know, evade sanctions is by taking some money they have, buying some, you know, mining computers, some like in China, for example, and then running them in North Korea and generating, uh, generating ETH that way. I guess you'd call that evading sanctions. Um, but, it's it sort of, I don't know, it, it, it's, a, it's a different thing, but it would be a way in which they were generating, you know, what is money and, uh, and the U.S. doesn't like that. So, um, so he admitted that he admitted to all these different activities. I think the most damning thing from most people's perspective is um, the FBI says in their, in, in their complaint that Griffith sought permission from, uh, from the U.S. State Department to go to North Korea and do this. They denied it. Uh, and he went anyway. I saw one attorney pointed out that the, the FBI complaint doesn't doesn't give any details of the denial. Like it doesn't say when the denial actually happened. So I guess theoretically, maybe Griffiths was still waiting on the denial. You know, when it when he went, it doesn't it doesn't actually address that. But but anyway, they say that it was denied, and he still he still did it anyway, and then later admitted to having done it. Um, and so the, he's been he's been arrested for for violating U.S. law in that way. 
this is a story that actually <clears throat> I'm seeing a, a bit of chatter about just today. Um, we might get yeah. our first uh, crypto native uh, senator, at least uh, temporarily, it looks like. Yeah, well, and, you know, we can debate whether she's crypto native or not, but uh, yeah, that, was, that was a story that I, well, you know, I mean, she, she, she is the CEO of a division of uh, the company that runs New York Stock Exchange, ICE, uh, that is sort of managing uh, crypto holdings and exchange, and well, specifically Bitcoin, holding Bitcoin in exchange for, uh, for folks uh, backed. I mean, you know, how... How hardcore uh, Ms. Loeffler really is, uh, the future Senator, Ms. Senator Loeffler is, really is about uh, about Bitcoin, sort of unclear. Uh, she, had, she had worked in public relations for, for ICE for the last 18 years and then was appointed to this CEO job. Um, so, uh, you know, she did that for, I don't know, 18 months and now she's, she's moving on to the Senate. So I'm just, I'm sort of curious to see how, how much uh, crypto claims her as one of their own, uh, you know, and we'll just, we'll see. But um, but yeah, so it looks like she's moving to the Senate at least for a little while, and then if she wins uh, the election, that comes up at the end of the actual term, uh, you know, she'll stick around longer. Right. This is um, she would be appointed by the governor of Georgia for the interim position, and um, so if she, and she has been so as of, yeah. as of today. Oh, okay. Like yeah, yeah, she has been. Gotcha. Yeah, it was rumored. It's been rumored for a little bit, um, but as of today, we now know that he is saying yes. Uh, she's she's the pick. Um, something else that, uh, came across my transom recently was something about the, the lightning network. And again, that was something that I feel like I was hearing a lot about towards the end of last year, beginning of this year. Um, where are we on the lightning network? Uh, hmm, what, well, I mean, you know, lightning network's going fine. Uh, it's, you know, still a beta network. Uh, what is the latest news on lightning? I'm, I'm not really sure. They just did a big... Uh, they just had a big conference that a lot of people went to in Germany. Um, and, uh, you know, people are feeling pretty good about it. And um, so I guess what might be helpful for your listeners to know is sort of what the Lightning Network is. Is um, Bitcoin uh, is, a, is a seamless and fast way to move value around the world. Um, but it is kind of expensive to do. You know, you have to pay a transaction fee every time you send a Bitcoin. And that can be anywhere from a few cents to a few dollars, depending on how um, how much traffic there is in the network and how much demand there is for Bitcoin at the time. And, uh, and obviously that's too much. Any sort of really any cost at all is too much for making very small payments. So what, what the Lightning Network basically does is to make it insanely simple is you, you put your Bitcoin into this other wallet that knows it's there. And then on this, in the, on the second layer network, you can move Bitcoin around really quickly and really trustlessly, and it doesn't it doesn't cost as much because the Bitcoin isn't actually moving on the Bitcoin network. It's moving on Lightning. It's just all the Bitcoin that's on Lightning is being held in these in these sort of central wallets. Um, and then, whenever you're done, do never however much you want to do, you can leave it there for days or weeks or years. It doesn't really matter. Um, whatever amount you have left in in your Lightning wallet. Uh, you can then uh, take that much out and, and it leaves the Lightning Network and goes back to the Bitcoin Network and then that resolves to your Bitcoin wallet. So it's a way to make very small payments uh, using Bitcoin. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's proceeding along well and the community is getting bigger all the time. But, uh, but I don't think there's been any, like, um, any breakout success stories yet on Lightning, but it, it is still beta technology. 
If you're like most millennials, you know you should be investing, but you're probably not sure where to start. Getting your money right doesn't have to be hard, though. With SoFi, SoFi Invest makes it easy. It's the first platform to offer stocks, crypto, and automated investing all in one. You'll even get access to SoFi's financial advisors who can answer any questions you have at no cost. Because taking control of your investments shouldn't be intimidating. I've been investing online for myself for 20 years now, and SoFi is the most intuitive and easy-to-use platform that I've tried, and I've tried them all, believe me. SoFi Invest makes investing simple to get started. Here's how it works. First, go to SoFi.com slash ride and create your account. Choose to either do it yourself, like me, or let SoFi's automated investing build your portfolio. Use StockBits to buy fractional shares of your favorite stocks. Start with as little as $1. See for yourself how easy it is to start investing with SoFi at SoFi.com slash ride. Fund your SoFi Invest account and receive $25 in mystery stock. That's right. Free stock just for signing up. So go to SoFi.com slash ride to claim your free stock today. That's S-O-F-I dot com slash ride. SoFi Lending Corp, CFL number 6054612. Are there any um, big stories that I should be uh, watching out for in 2020 in, in the crypto space that we're anticipating? Um, big stories in 2020 in the crypto space. I mean, uh, I think, well, you know, I think we're going to continue to see um, more resolutions from the SEC's, uh, the SEC's pursuit of various crypto projects. So, you know, we still don't know what's happening um, with the SEC's case against um, Kix cryptocurrency. Kin, you know, actually, Kix no longer owns Kix the app. Um, they're basically just a cryptocurrency project now. Um, there's only like 18 people on their team. Uh, we don't know what's happening with uh, the SEC's pursuit of the Telegram token sale. Um, so I think that's going to be going to be another you know big story. So I think continuing to see sort of uh, regulatory clarity, you know, with Loeffler in the Senate um, and some some ties to this community, uh, I think that next year could also be the year in which we see the crypto community actually get serious about um, pushing for new laws for itself. Um, so I think that's going to be that's going to be a big thing, um, which I guess also relates to whatever happens with Yang's campaign. Um, those are a few things. I think we'll also, um, I guess we'll I, look for some more resolution in the world of stable coins. Um, stable coins, so stable coins are cryptocurrencies that, uh, that don't tend to fluctuate a lot in value. Um, you know, one of the OG stable coins is this stable coin called DAI, and it has made some real advances in sort of how it maintains its stability by incorporating more kinds of assets and look for more of that to happen next year and for potentially die that you're know, kind of really the only trustless stable coin out there um, to potentially have a, a surge. Um, maybe not, but it, it's definitely one of the more interesting projects on the, on the, uh, on the Ethereum blockchain. And one of the things is sort of a sign of more of its progress. And it, and it did hit this major milestone this year by incorporating another asset into its, uh, its set of collateral and it and intends to incorporate lots more uh, going into next year. Finally, real quick, <laughs> you and I were talking about this offline, but um, you know, I'm using that Brave browser now, so I'm sitting here looking at uh, yeah. 1.8 bat. <laughs> so the idea is, is I should be able to re 
distribute that to sites now um, that I'm blocking their ads from so that, you know, hey, and I, I didn't watch all your dumb ads, but here, I'll, I'll tip you some bat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think, I think you know, Brave, Brave, I like the Brave browser. I don't know if you should say that as a journalist, but I like the Brave browser. I've been using it for a long time. And I've been covering that for a long time. And, and you know, I think Brave and that deserve some kudos. for. They were one of the first big ICOs um, to actually start doing some of the stuff they, pro- they promised. You know, there's a lot of ICOs that have raised a lot of money and have, you know, done test nets and some experiments and some, you know, some prototypes and stuff like that. But generally speaking, we haven't seen a lot of, of those ICOs put out products that real people are using that has, have had an amp- impact in the real world. And, and that is one of the first ones to do it. So now uh, the Brave browser is serving you ads itself if you get permission to that, and then you earn some bat for that. These aren't ads in the these aren't ads in the website. They're like pop up ads, um, and uh, you get you earn some bat for that. And then yeah, you you can donate that, or you can you can you might be able to use use it to pay for services on sites like subscriptions. But mostly now, I think yeah, people are just redistributing it back to different content creators, uh, largely YouTube creators. YouTube creators are really into that, um, and uh, and so that's. I don't know. That's that's a that's an ICO that's kind of coming to something. So I think that's pretty interesting. And they were one of the first to do it. Can I trade Bat on uh, Coinbase? Or you can definitely trade. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Bat's on Coinbase. Okay. Uh, but I don't think you can take it out of the Brave browser mm. quite yet. I can't remember what the latest is on that. Um, you might be able to. When, when it first came along, you couldn't. But they, I, I when, when I first did a story about sort of. Uh, you know, earning Brave on that, you couldn't take it out of the Brave. You, you couldn't personally take it out of the Brave browser yet. That that might have changed. I, I haven't double-checked on that yet. I'm looking at the price chart on Coinbase right now. It doesn't look like this is one of those that's going to the moon anytime soon. So, But, you know, maybe I'll just no, hold, on yeah. to, <laughs> I'll hold on to it. Uh, it got a $250 million market cap right now. The all-time high was $0.98, cents and it's currently $0.18. Cents. Um, yeah, it checks out. Well, whatever. Listen, like I said, if yeah. I can find a way to uh, pass it along to sites that I like, then I'll probably do that. <laughs>